helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. I answered a question via email earlier today. By the way, I love when people ask questions, and the more thoughtful the question, the better. Now, the content of the question is not important for today's discussion, but the overall concern is. You see, it wasn't simply a question of why things are the way they are, but how we got here. And that's a question I think it's worth looking into to find the root cause of the concerns that we have at hand. Now, how did we get here? How did we get to a federal government spending $6 trillion in a single year? How did we get to the myriad of agencies and regulations controlling every aspect of our lives? Why is it that a single person in the White House or nine just judges in black robes rule over our lives while Congress continues to pass laws in direct violation of their members' oath of office? Strip away the rhetoric and, and all the emotion, even the politics, And I think you'll come to the same conclusion that I have. It's because the American people have become dependent on government. Earlier this month, we celebrated Independence Day. Many of us remembered those in 1776 that were tired of being led by a tyranny 3,000 miles away and wanted to make decisions for themselves. We declared that the 13 colonies were now free and independent states so that the people of those states could live at liberty without unnecessary external influence. But freedom and liberty are hard. It takes work, sacrifice, and responsibility to decide for yourself what you will do and how you will do it. It's so much easier to allow someone else to make all those decisions for us. It's hard work to convince your neighbor of the rightness of your cause. Why not allow someone else to force them into compliance? So over the years, decades, and even centuries, the American people have given up their sovereignty and become more and more dependent on government to provide, protect, and guide them. Now, our ancestors who gave up our liberty in exchange for ease rarely if ever considered the cost they were placing on the following generations. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. My name is Paul Engel. I'm welcoming you here to the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution And we teach the rising generation to be free. And part of that teaching has to involve understanding not just where we are, but how we got here. Because if we cannot understand not only where we are, but how we got here, we have no method of returning to where we want to be. So I wanted to take some time today, and I wanted to look at some of the the costs we are currently paying for, the, the the. the injuries we are currently suffering because we or our ancestors decided to give up freedom and liberty and sovereignty and have someone else make the decisions for them. Now, if there's one state in this union that has the reputation, well-earned, by the way, for telling people how to live, it's got to be California. Yeah, New York and Illinois, they're pretty close, but California, they're, they're out in the lead. Right now, truckers in California are protesting because, well, the state of California thinks it knows better than they, whether they're employees or contractors. Now, when I was a much younger man, I worked at a truck stop. 
And I dealt with a lot of truckers. I spent, I worked, uh, what, almost five years at a truck stop. And of course, you had independents and you had corporate drivers. And it was easy to tell the difference. Apparently, that's too difficult for California. Or should I say Californians? You see, California Assembly passed a bill called AB5, and one of the things it was trying to do is help distinguish between who's an employee and who's a contractor. Now, you can certainly look at that as a problem, but I wanted to look underneath that. You see, the reason the state of California cares about whether you're an employee or a contractor, according to this bill, was they wanted to make sure that, well, the individual wasn't being taken advantage of. You see, as an employee, there are a lot of rules about, well, how you have to be treated, the things that you can be provided for, what can be deductible, all sorts of stuff. Whereas if you're an independent contractor, not so much. And California, uh, the, the California legislature apparently thought Californians were too stupid to realize, you know what? If I act as an independent contractor, I have to take on more responsibility. I have to do things for myself. But even that, if you stop and think about it, what does the state of California have to do with whether you decide to work as an employee or as a contractor? Whether you take benefits from the employer or you work for yourself and maybe get benefits from government based on things like tax deductions and other things. You see, the very idea that, that uh, the state of California cares is because, well, we've allowed the state of California to tell the people of California how they're supposed to live their lives, how they're supposed to work. And we did this in large part because, well, rather than getting the employees to um, come to a, a, a conclusion and decide, no, we're not going to work for this price, or we are going to work for this price, or we're going to require this benefit or that benefit, they said we need the government to enforce it for us. And of course, once government gets to decide, government regulates. And once government regulates, liberty wanes. As government gets bigger and more and more control, your liberty shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. There's a, uh, an inverse correlation between the size of government and your liberty. But what apparently people didn't think of is, here we are in the middle of a supply chain crisis. A lot of the goods coming into this country come through California, and now California has taken this bill, which they did because they thought they're in, the people in California who were... Act, who were independent contractors, but actually were employees, um, they were too stupid to figure that out. Now we have a exacerbation of the supply chain issue because a lot of those truck drivers are actually independent contractors, and California's made it much more difficult for them to actually do business in California, meaning there are fewer trucks to move the material out of the ports of Los Angeles and whatnot, and into the rest of the country. You see, if you're an independent truck driver and you look at it and say, listen, I can make good money transporting goods and materials from these ports in California out to the rest of the country, but California says, no, you can't because you don't meet our requirements or we're just going to make things more difficult with more taxes and regulations for you to actually do as an independent contractor, 
those contractors don't show up. And this all happened, if you look back far enough, it's the idea of we wanted, apparently people wanted California, the California legislature to decide for itself whether you're an employee or a contractor and whether or not you should be allowed to be a contractor or whether you're going to be forced to be a an employee. And of course, then the companies have to decide, wait a second, maybe I didn't want employees. I wanted contractors. I can't do business here anymore. Or let's take a look at another thing, education. Now, most, I believe, rational people would agree that a good, solid, foundational education is important not only to a person's life, but to a person's ability to act as an intelligent citizen. To be free and at liberty requires some level of education. And early in our history, communities would get together to set up schools to educate their children. And then this morphed into this idea of we want all children to be educated. I agree. But then we decided that, um, well, we're going to let the government control it. Now, many years ago when I was in school, um, the parents and the local school board still had some uh, fair amount of influence on the educational process. That's waned. Because what government sees, government eventually takes over. See, where it used to be the parents decided the curriculum, then it became, well, we're going to have the school board do it, this this government agency. We're going to hire people. We're going to elect people to do it. And then they're going to get, then we started giving them rules and regulations from the states. And of course, the federal government had to get in the middle of this because they had to have their two cents. And now we have what is no longer truly a public education system, but a government-run education system. And based on some of these numbers, it's not doing so good. Now, I'm, I'm looking at a report specifically about the, uh, out, the student performance analysis for the San Francisco Unified School District. And I pick on San Francisco, one, because I have the data for that, uh, two, because it's still in California, where we just talked about California, but three, because this is the type of progressive city that we keep hearing we have to become more like. So in, Cal in, in San Francisco, in the San Francisco Unified School District, about 58% of all students are actually ready for kindergarten. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't know the details. I didn't go into the details. How do you determine if someone is ready for kindergarten? But they do this. Okay, that was, that was interesting. Here's where things get interesting. When we start looking at uh, grades, was it grades 3 through 10, about 58% are reading proficiently. Less than two-thirds of all are reading proficiently. 71% uh, are math proficient. But what I find really interesting is when they start looking at the, at the racial breakdown. You see, in San Francisco, if you, if you have a child in San Francisco Unified School District, if they are African-American, they're only about 28% are reading proficiently. And if it's Latino, well, it's 35%. Now, when I was growing up, we used to have a saying, reading is fundamental. The ability to read, to be literate, is important to the rest of your life. And our government-run school system in San Francisco is basically saying, yeah, two-thirds of the African-Americans and Latinos are not able to read, 
proficiently. And oh, by the way, it's 41% of African-Americans and 55% of Latinos are proficient in math. Now, let me ask you, if this was a business you were, you were a company you were doing business with, if you were hiring one of these training companies and said, we're going to send you, we're going to spend money with you to train our children, our employees, whatever, and only 58% of them came out proficient, would you continue to use them or would you find somebody else? And if the purpose of a public education is to prepare you either for college or to enter a career, well, guess what? Only 57.5% of all San Francisco Unified School District children, when they graduate, are prepared to enter a four-year college or to enter a career. Just over half. See, we turn this over to government in many cases, I think, because we didn't want to be bothered. We were too busy. I mean, when I was a child, my mother volunteered in our elementary school so she could be involved. But now we have this whole runaround, you know, everybody's got to have a job. It, being a mother is not considered a career in, in among the many of the feminists. And we've turned our children over to government to educate them and government is failing. But we've designed the system to trap children in that environment because unless you can afford to not only pay the taxes for the public school system, but to pay for your own private education, you can't get your child a better education. Now, my, my purpose here is not to discuss possible solutions to this particular problem, but to notice what happens when we turned over the education of our children to government, we became dependent on government for the next generation. And it's not simply their ability to do reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's the fact they're not taught civics. They're not taught the Constitution. They're not taught the basics of how to live in a free society, even how to live in a modern society. They're taught to be dependent, to look to government, to simply do to what the teacher tells them to do. You see, John Jay told us that the reason we needed to read and study the Constitution was to teach the rising generation to be free, by turning this over to government, we've taught the rising generation to be dependent. And when COVID hit, an in-person schooling shut down because the government said it was too dangerous for the children to actually show up to school. No facts, no data, no science. The government decided it was too dangerous. And parents were forced to accommodate having children at home. Someone had to be with them. Maybe a parent had to give up a, a, a job because they had to be there with the children. But when the parents started seeing what the children were being taught, in many places, it caused an uproar. But it shouldn't have been a surprise to anyone. Because when we decided that we would be dependent on government to determine the education of our children, we not only turned our children over to government, we turned our future over to government. And you shouldn't be surprised that that government 
taught their children, taught our children to be dependent on the very government that was teaching them. Now, I've got more, which I'll get to after the break. But before I do, I have a special offer for you. You can still get in on Healthy Cells 50% off Immune Super Boost. See, through the month of July, they're giving 50% off the Immune Super Boost for all of my listeners, new and old. All you have to do is go to HealthyCell.com slash out loud, then use the code AMERICA50, that's AMERICA50, and they'll give you 50% off Immune Super Boost. So again, go to HealthyCell.com slash out loud, use the code AMERICA50, and get 50% off Healthy Cell's amazing Immune Super Boost. Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off any order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Surely, if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. So you can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. I'm glad you're here today. We're talking about the cost of dependency. 
How did we get here? And what is the cost we are paying? Now, I spent a lot of time in the first half talking about what's going on in California from the um, uh, the trucker issues and, and the supply chain issues and this whole uh, are you an employee or a contractor question to looking at an example of government school and its failure. I'm not saying all government schools are failures, but if you have a failing school, what are your choices? I mean, unless you are are financially able or willing to take the, 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 the cost of a private school or homeschooling, um, you're stuck. But that's not the only one. One of the things, you know, they say every cloud has a silver lining. Well, if there's a silver lining to COVID, it has been see it's for the American people to see just how not only just how tyrannical our governments at all level have become, but how dependent and how slavishly devoted to these governments many Americans are. Now, the the COVID-19 scam, and trust me, the more and more I'm reading and learning about it, the more I understand that it is the, 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 the malfeasance, the scam behind the COVID-19 quote-unquote pandemic. I've been reading uh, Dr. McCullough's book, The Courage to Face COVID, and it has been enlightening. But uh, let me get back to the, to the point here. Uh, according to a report from the CDC, overdose deaths, overdose deaths among Americans increased 30% from 2019 to 2020. Now, what could this, what have, could have caused this? Well, according to the report, a disruption in the availability of health care and anti-overdose services caused by the quote-unquote pandemic lightly contributed to the uptick. I want you to stop and think about that for a second. Understand, there was scientific and medical evidence that COVID-19 was easily treatable early in the vast majority of Americans all the way back in early 2020. As in like February, March, April. Scientific evidence, peer-reviewed studies, uh, anecdotal, not anecdotal, um, looking at, at, at statistical data. But the CDC wouldn't accept that. The CDC promoted the idea that this was a pandemic that was going to kill millions of people. They suppressed data on effective treatments. They promoted uh, uh, techniques and, and restrictions that were not medically sound. The lockdowns, the masks, all of this. And it led to, an, in this case, an uptick in overdoses. Why? Well, you know, in, in, in a prison system, one of the most cruel punishments is solitary confinement. And you have the CDC basically saying, you have to be confined to your home now. We're going to tell you whether or not your business is, is uh, essential or not. We're going to tell you whether or not you can actually work, make money, um, or, or do any of these things. And a lot of that contributed to the, I believe, to the increase in overdose. And in fact, the increase in overall mortality um, over these last couple of years. But let's look back at the beginning. See, we got here because the CDC said that this is how you must deal with this. They created rules. They created regulations. They even tried to uh, get involved in the rental market. 
Except, why do we have a CDC? Well, because somebody thought, you know what? Let's get a bunch of government bureaucrats to tell us about diseases. Originally, the CDC was meant to track statistics about diseases. But of course, it morphed into now, tell us how to deal with diseases. And again, since it's a government entity, where's the check and balance? For example, uh, another example, the CDC, again, I live in Tennessee. I found this interesting. The CDC says there are more than 20 counties in Tennessee that should return to wearing masks, even though there is scientific data, multiple uh, um, reports, peer-reviewed reports that show that cloth and surgical masks do little, if anything, to stop the transmission of a respiratory virus, period. Even CDC reports say so, but yet we still have the CDC trying to tell the counties that really you should make people wear masks, even though we know it doesn't do anything medically. And in fact, it does some pretty nasty things medically to wear those masks for hours on day. They find uh, all sorts of bacteria and fungus inside the mask. It's a very dangerous thing. But people do it. I had a person come over to the house to to do, do some work. And uh, they were wearing a mask. And we said, you don't have to wear that in here. She goes, yes, I do. If I don't wear the mask, I don't keep my job. Because the CDC said so. She said, if she didn't get the jab, she couldn't keep her job because the CDC said so. Now, the CDC has no legal authority to make you wear a mask. It has no legal authority to make you take a jab. It has no legal authority to tell you to do anything. But we do. Because the American people have been trained, you do what the government entity says. We've become dependent on the CDC to make decisions for us rather than looking at the data for ourselves. But Paul, it's hard. Yes, it is. You got to find sources that you can trust. How do you do that? Well, you compare a lot of different sources and you see which ones, especially over time, have gotten to the right answer. You see which ones are using facts and data, and which ones are using scare tactics. You take a look at the data that they're using. You find people, again, as Reagan said, trust but verify. But you have to take responsibility for your own medical decisions. Trust me, my family is very happy we didn't listen to the CDC and the FDA, and the Biden administration, and, and parts of the Trump administration, and, and all of these entities that said we should mask, um, we should uh, quarantine, we should um, get the jab, especially the jab, because we decided for ourselves. We're very happy we did so. But if you're dependent on a government entity to tell you how to deal with your own health care, then you're dependent on government. And if you do something simply because a government entity tells you to, you're not a free citizen. You're a subject. You're living enslaved to the government. Now, the good news is you don't have to be. Most of this is happening in our minds, between our ears. And the good news about that is, well, you can educate yourself. So, for example, when, um, when uh, protesters have been showing up and 
protesting outside the homes of Supreme Court justices because they didn't get the outcome they want. They didn't get the political outcome they wanted from a court case. The court actually, oh, I don't know, followed the law. I know, rare, what a concept. Now, they've been protesting out for quite a while, and uh, at least around Justice Kavanaugh's uh, house, his neighbors, they're fed up. Some of them have attempted to confront the quote-unquote protesters, at least over the methods, but they were, they were called names. They called, a, a, a lyric Winnick said, they called us fascists. So what? I'm old enough to remember, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. They, use, they, they call you fascist because they have no argument against what you're saying. But here's the other part I want to know. I want to know where those, those neighbors are. Why are they not calling the police to have them arrested for disturbing the peace? See, I'm not talking about sim- people simply walking up and down out in front on a public street. Um, they're using bullhorns and chanting. And they're not just targeting... Well, their, their target may be Justice Kavanaugh and his family... They're disturbing the peace for the rest of the neighborhood. But you see, if you're dependent on the police to do that, guess what? You're dependent on government. Even a pro-choice neighbor has gotten fed up with it. She said they got so loud and so vulgar, she was forced to leave her home to take her family on a long night out to dinner to avoid it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Again, where are the police? Where are those you've made dependent to be to protect you? Yeah, apparently they're not doing anything. Even when there's evidence of these people defacing private property. No, you're dependent on government. You are its subject. You are its slave. And it's, again, another example. So we have... Uh, uh, Another czar, Biden has a science czar, uh, at least a nominee for the the head of their science and technology. Another executive agency that does not legally exist. And uh, uh, during questioning, she appeared to dodge questions about uh, being asked, is it okay to raise questions about quote-unquote gender-affirming care? To To just raise questions in a situation. She Apparently, ducked and weaved, dodged, said it's a complex issue. Oh, so if it's a complex issue, does that mean we should discuss it or debate it? Um, Apparently not. Meaning, if you have a child and 90% of all children in this country go to a government school, they're most likely, according to the science and technologies, are... um, You're not supposed to question gender-affirming care. Which maybe explains why a dude was nominated NCAA's Women of the Year. That's right. A guy was nominated as the NCAA Woman of the Year. Basically, we just said women are meaningless. They're empty. It doesn't care anymore. And of course, this is being pushed down people's throat because, well, we're dependent on government. See, we expected the government to protect us from this, aka Title IX. The government must tell schools that 
uh, you have to have men's and women's sports. You have to have equal opportunity for men and women. And by the way, I have nothing wrong with equal opportunity for men and women. But you see, what we did is we turned it over to the federal government and said, you make this happen. So now the federal government thinks, oh, well, we could just redefine sex to be whatever we want. And by following that, you have a National Collegiate Athletic Association declaring or nominating a man to be their woman of the year because you turned it over to government. We let government decide. And in this case, it's not even government. It's literally just an executive decision because it, it was never passed into law. The law says sex. We're just allowing the administrative agencies to ignore the law and make it up as they go along. So we really shouldn't be surprised when the Biden administration released quote-unquote guidance to expand the discrimination protections for schools to include gender identity and sexual orientation. Which means we really shouldn't be surprised when schools like this one in Sacramento, in the Sacramento Unified School District, um, put out a survey to children as young as 12 asking about things like, well, how often do they hear remarks about not acting enough like a boy or acting enough like a girl? Not from the other students, from adults. In, in other words, what does the government have, what's the school district have to do with whether or not someone is acting enough like a boy or acting enough like a girl? I thought we were supposed to be a pluralistic society. I thought we were supposed to be at liberty. Now again, I don't want a, you know, a boy that shows up to school in a dress. I don't want him beat up. I don't want him punished academically. I don't want him punished emotionally. But I certainly don't want someone that questions that boy to be punished either. But this is being pushed on American society, not because the people have voted for it, not because the people's representatives have voted for it, but because we let government decide, hey, we're gonna, the government says we're going to give schools money. The federal government's going to give schools money. Complete violation of the Constitution, illegal, invalid, and void, but we do it anyway. And then they use that money to promote their political agenda. Because we couldn't be bothered to fund schools ourselves, to regulate schools ourselves. We, needed, we asked government to do it for us because it was easier. They'd get the quote-unquote professionals to do it rather than just hiring them ourselves. Because of that, well, schools are now, most almost, not like I said, 90% of the students go to public schools, government schools, and they're no longer about education. They're about indoctrination. See, all the time these school districts are paying are spending on things like, you know, do you hear things like they're not acting enough like a boy or a girl from adults? It's time they're not spending on reading, writing, and arithmetic. All the time they spend uh, on, on, you know, teaching the children to judge each other based on race is time they're not spending teaching about things like, oh, compound interest or how to balance a checkbook. Or, or how the electoral process actually works. They're not. 
Children are spending more and more time in schools and getting less and less out of it because we've allowed government to take over and decide what they should be taught and what's more important to the government rather than what's more important to the child. And since government gets a lot of money from, oh, teachers' unions, guess who sets a lot of the agenda for these? That's right. It's the teachers' union. Again, I have nothing inherently against unions. But when the union places their political agenda above their employees and the people their employees are supposed to be serving, I have a problem with that union. But that union only has power because they have influence with government. And government only has power because we the people let them have power. We submitted ourselves to them. And if we submitted ourselves to them, well, then we can decide not to anymore. I'm going to talk a bit about that after the break. But before I do, I want to ask you to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for the latest news and happenings. Take the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, share them. Do your part. Don't sit back and expect someone else to do it for you. Share them uh, on social media with friends and family. Help others know about the information that you're finding so we can all do the work we need to to secure the blessings of liberty, not just for ourselves, but for our posterity. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpitone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. Today, we're talking about the cost of dependence. The fact that the American people have made themselves dependent on government. And while frequently it was probably people thought it was a good thing to do, there's a cost involved. We've talked about the dependence on, on government to decide whether or not you're an employee or a contractor to get in the middle of your negotiations with your employer uh, or your business partner. We talked about the reactions to the quote-unquote pandemic, the scam, and how the government showed its hand of lockdowns, mandates, 
fake vaccines, suppressing information that they found uncomfortable or didn't fit with their agenda. We've talked about the government imposing societal changes, homosexual marriage on the entire country, uh, transgenderism, CRT. These are all being imposed because we have made ourselves dependent on government. But there's more. Well, for example, Joe Biden's been talking about declaring a climate emergency. Now, I want you to take a quick look at the Constitution. It won't take long because it's only 8,000 words. But you know what you won't find in there? The power to declare an emergency. Not only does the president not have the power to declare an emergency, the United States, the federal government, does not have the power to legally declare an emergency and suddenly set aside laws and the Constitution and anything they want just because. We've become so used to simply doing what government says. Well, if the president says it's an emergency, we have to do something. Now, forget the fact that uh, only about 1% of Americans think that climate is an important problem facing the country today. They're more worried about things like uh, inflation, energy, um, no supply chain. No, no, no. Basically, we've become dependent on government because... We keep looking for government to do things that, well, for the most part, we should be doing ourselves. Not only that, we keep looking to the federal government to do things that really need to be handled at the state and local level. For example, Biden has asked Congress for $37 billion to pay for state and local policing. According to a White House statement, he says, we need to fund police who walk the beat, know the neighborhood, are accountable to those who are sworn to serve, and build community trust and safety. Those are all local policing actions. Why is the federal government funding that? Simple. We've all been bribed to, well, nurse out the federal government. See, if you need more local policing in your community... Pay for it. But to have the federal government come in and say, well, we'll pay for it. Well, it sounds really great, right? Except the old adage, he who pays the piper calls the tune. You see, if you allow the federal government to pay for what you should be paying for yourselves, the federal government then dictates how you use that money. So you become a slave. You become a a servant to the federal funding. So when they talk about, oh yeah, you know, we'll, we'll give you money for more police and 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 you know stuff like that, they come along with things like, oh I don't know, assault weapons bans, magazine bans. All of these things come when you accept government money. I remember back when I lived in a small town in upstate New York. This is a very small town. Um, they didn't even have a street light. We had a one blank, one blinking traffic light at one end of the main drag, and we had a just nothing at the other end. And when they talk about the main drag, it was about a mile-long stretch. It had some stores and shops and stuff like that. And the state offered the town money to build a sidewalk. And of course, a lot of people were like, oh, a sidewalk, yay, we're going to get money to build a sidewalk. Ignoring the fact that I think in the entire town, there are only two people that actually walked on that part of town. 
Yeah, there were no sidewalks. You had the, the road, the, the shoulder, the curb, and then grass. And we had two people that walked. And I, I kept asking, I said, well, well, why? I said, first of all, why do we need a sidewalk? Well, people will then walk from place to place. Why? Why? How many people do you know show up and don't just park in front of the store they want to go to? Again, we're not talking shopping malls. We're talking small towns, small businesses scattered about a mile-long stretch. We'll, we'll, we'll put a parking lot at one end and people can park and then they can walk. Well, all right, then who's paying for the parking lot? And it was like all they did was wave dollar signs in front of their eyes. And it's like everybody put reason aside and just figure out how can we go about getting this sidewalk? And I remember asking this one critical question. I said, we live in upstate New York. Who's going to shovel the sidewalk? Who's going to sand and salt the sidewalk? And who's going to pay the bill when someone slips and falls and hurts themselves on the sidewalk? I never got an answer. Now, I moved before they actually put in the sidewalk, but this is a perfect example. All they did was wave dollar signs in front of people's hands and now, in front of people's eyes, and now they were all set to build a sidewalk they didn't need because someone else is, quote-unquote, paying for it, even though it's coming out of tax dollars that they were contributing to. Well, what do you think happens when it's not the state offering to build you a sidewalk? What happens when it's the federal government offering to pay for your police? See, everybody who complains about controlling the police and now, oh, we're going to let the federal government take over. Take it farther out of the people's hands. Or what happens when a sheriff, I'm trying to get an interview with a sheriff out of Missouri, who when the FBI said, uh, we need you to hand over information about concealed carry holders, uh, the sheriff said, no, none of your business. What happens when that sheriff's budget is defined or at least supplemented greatly by the federal government that the FBI works for? How likely are they to say no? You see, that's the thing with accepting government money. It always comes with strings attached. It, it's, a, it's a hook and a fishing line. And here's the money and all the American people, they go up and grab it and then they wonder why, how did we get hooked on this nonsense? You swallowed it, literally, hook, line, and sinker. I believe it was Alexis de Tocqueville said that America will exist until Congress realizes it can bribe the American people with their own money. They've learned that lesson well. So many of us have become dependent on government because government pays for something. And it may be a check you receive, like, you know, I don't know, Social Security or welfare. It may be a service like Medicaid, Medicare, WIC. Or it may just be the fact that you depend on government to protect your home or to protect you outside of your home. Or to keep the streets clean or do all a myriad of other things that, you know, oh, to make sure that your house is safe because, well, you need a government inspector to tell you whether or not they're building your, your, the work on your house is done properly. And you need a government inspector to make sure that your hair is, is cut properly. Or that they braid it properly. Or, or, or that the, 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 the little store that you go to, that they, they follow government-approved rules about how they prepare their food and serve their food. The farmer who, who you know, can't sell you fresh milk because, well, 
he doesn't have the little government stamp. All of this is about government controlling the people. Now, before I go, I want to go back to a couple stories again dealing with schools. See, there's a teacher that claimed, uh, who she's claiming to be non-binary, and she's posting videos where she's just all excited about a first grader that, quote-unquote, came out as trans. Now, I can pretty much be sure of a couple of things. Um, that first grader is not trans. Five, six years old, they don't know nothing about sex. They're confused about it. They're not driven by it. No, I can almost assure this person, this student was groomed to call themselves trans. Now, maybe this is a boy that likes to play with dolls. Maybe it's a girl that likes uh, to play with trucks. Whatever it is, this is a person who didn't fit a stereotype and suddenly has been labeled trans and now believes they are different because, well, they've been groomed, they've been taught by a quote-unquote non-binary. There is no such thing, by the way. You're either male or female. If you can't figure that out, um, you need to go back to school. It's basic biology. But think about it. You've got a five- or six-year-old child that spends hours a day with a teacher who doesn't know what sex they are, or is unwilling to admit it, is, is willing to play the political game for some, um, I don't know, maybe it's a political reason, maybe it makes them feel special, I don't know. But now that person is encouraging someone, to a, a five or six-year-old, to come out as trans. And just think of the future that poor child must have. I don't know if the parents are involved in this or not, I have no idea. But the idea before, you, be, you, know, you barely understand the difference between boys and girls. You have no idea about the birds and the bees. You have an adult figure encouraging you and pressuring you to deny reality. Either because you acted in a way that's not stereotypical, or you were groomed to do that. That's child abuse. And this teacher in a video on the, that was published by the Libs of TikTok, on the Twitter account Libs of TikTok, is gushing. After reading books about pronouns and gender identity to first graders, first graders, sexualizing our children. And she got away with it because I bet you she works at a public school. Odds are she works at a public school. So when you made yourself dependent on the government to educate your children, you also subjected them to the government's agenda. And just because, well, you know, that was one teacher. Uh, 50 school districts throughout the country have each received a $10,000 grant to promote gender ideology in school. The Gender Sexual Alliance Clubs have a project called It Gets Better Project. And that project has provided 50 schools nationwide with $10,000 each to promote, quote-unquote, pride. Two projects like gender-affirming closets, where a student can not only, quote-unquote, change sexes in the closet but can do so without parents knowing about it.
where they provide uh, single gender lavatories, converting single gender lavatories to gender neutral bathrooms so that your young children can get used to going to the bathroom, being in locker rooms with all different genders. This is what's being done to your children. And because you've made yourself dependent on government, you have no recourse. But as I said at the beginning, you don't have to be dependent on government for these things. You don't have to. You do have to make some very difficult choices. I'm not going to blow smoke and tell you it's, it's easy. You know, one, two, three, all your problems go away. You start, as I will tell most people to start, I should recommend read the Constitution. It shouldn't take you more than 20, 30 minutes. If you can't find a free copy laying around your house, they're online. Just search for the Constitution. I use National Archives. So you do to, I think it's founders.archives.gov. And I read from there. And you can learn just how little power the federal government legally has. Then go read your state constitution. That's a little tar- harder, usually. They're written more by lawyers at the state level. But begin to learn how little power your state government has. And then start living your life recognizing that most of what the federal government does is not legal. Most of those federal agencies don't legally exist. Once you start thinking that way, you can start acting that way. Now, I'm not saying that you, you, you pretend that the FBI doesn't exist or you pretend that, that ATF doesn't exist or the USDA or any of these things, but you start looking for ways where you don't have to pay attention to them. I recommend starting with your sheriff. Meet with your sheriff. Get them involved as a understanding the Constitution. If they don't already, there are tools. They can go to the Constitution study. They can go to Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. I think it's CSPOA.org. There are tools to get you these sheriffs to help protect your rights, so to protect you from overbearing state and federal governments. Then start using these tools to educate your neighbors. I am just wrapping up a constitution study. We're about to finish uh, the, the last of the, of the amendments. I will be starting another one later this year. I'm not sure. Um, I'm probably going to start promoting it in September. I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to start it. I may wait till the first of the year. But it's a great opportunity to join together with others to read and study the constitution. That becomes the bedrock. Now, the other thing you can do is join me for my Blessings of Liberty tour. Uh, that's going to start up. My first big tour uh, schedule is in um, is in September. You can find out more at constitutionstudy.com slash tour. If I am not coming to a location near you, fill out the form and ask. Maybe I can come out to a location near you. I'll work with you on venues and schedules and whatnot. And I don't charge people to come out and do this. Unless you're selling tickets, I don't charge you to come out and help teach people about the Constitution. This year, when I'm talking about the blessings of liberty, I'm talking a lot about how our misunderstanding of government has led to this inversion of the power structure. But we have to start taking responsibilities. Even if you send your child to public school, make sure you're spending the time to teach them the truth, to deprogram them from the propaganda, give them the tools 
so that they can understand reality, so they can they can judge what they're being taught and decide, hey, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit with the with the Constitution. That doesn't fit. How do I deal with it? Again, may not be easy. I know it won't be easy. But as someone who's gone through that transition and now lives as a free citizen of the state of Tennessee and of the United States, I can tell you it is well worth it. Now, one other thing you can do is to continue to listen to the Constitution study. In fact, invite friends, family, neighbors, social media, help other people know weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio network, they can listen to the Constitution study through our, our media players or our apps for Apple, Android, or Alexa. If they can't listen live, they can listen to the podcast. They usually show up a day or two after the, the broadcast, and they can listen on any podcast app they want. They can find all the links at the homepage at americaoutloud.com. But let's do everything we can to share this information, share the programs, the links, the videos, so we can help share the blessings of liberty to everyone in this great country, from sea to shining sea. <laughs>